0: Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear the story of someone strong enough to bear it all. The Naked Podcaster is a representation of freeing yourself, giving you permission to be real in all your quirkiness, baggage, struggles to success, and tragedy to triumph. I'm so excited you're joining the journey. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Hello and welcome to the Naked Podcaster. This is Jen and today I have the unique pleasure of talking with Joanne Victoria. Joanne, how are you today? I'm great. A little hot, but great. It's warm in Seattle. Well, it's warm in Reno too, but I like that. So I think it's a good thing, but you're humid too. Pardon? You, you guys are humid up there. You get rain. Oh, it's humid. It's probably ninety percent humidity,
1: and um, we have the rain has stopped. We are on our six weeks, six
0: week long summer. Perfect. So you That's want to get it while you can. Your website is askjoannavictoria. Yep, askjoannavictoria.com. dot Victoria, thank you for correcting that. And I will post that in the show notes. So, jump in and tell me who is joannevictoria.com? What do you do? Who are the people that you serve? Well, I do a lot
1: of things, and I've done a lot of things in my life, although I never knew I would do any of it because I had no plan, no goal, no, no teachings, no, uh, no mentors until I got older and moved from California to, to from New York to California many years ago with my three children and um, I went in and got a job the first week I was there with a psychiatrist I moved out to California with three kids one cat 12 pieces of luggage and a thousand dollars
0: I know I cannot wait to go into this story this is going to be so fun
1: well it's it's really odd because I must say even though i have I have been blessed my in retrospect I have been blessed my entire life in the way that I have uh, been guided. You know, I was guided to California. I had the money, you know, the $1,000. The first month's rent on the condo was paid for. But we had no beds, no television, no car. And with kids, you need all three. And where I lived, you certainly needed all three. And the first thing I did was uh, go for a walk with my three kids. And we walked up the main street, what we thought was the main street, and mom dragged them along. And they were going, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going? And it was like, just keep going because we have to see what's around us. And I got a newspaper, went home, made some phone calls, and got a job the next day with a psychiatrist who lived locally. And I had to wake him up every morning, get him out of bed, <laughs> bring him his cup of coffee, uh, get him set up for his patients, answer the phones, and do that for a few weeks. And I got enough money to buy a very old used car that had been in, oh, a lot of accidents, and a television, and some beds for the kids. And I, you know, look at, at the time, I had, I didn't know what gratitude was. I didn't know what luck was. I didn't know what... uh blessings were, I knew nothing because the way I was brought up was I was just part of the family and the weird part at that. Um, I had strange ideas that seemed strange by my family, very close family, and I was uh, was the one they pointed at and laughed at, but I never knew why and I still don't, well, I think now I know why, you know, I was not the same as the rest of them. I was uh, asking questions. And you didn't do that. You didn't ask questions. You just went along with the program. But I didn't even know what the program was. I swear it was from another planet. probably was. Uh, And after three weeks at the job, the doctor took me aside and said, you're smarter than this. You need to get a real job to take care of your children. And he said, I'm going to have to fire you, but find a new job first. And within another two weeks, I had another job. And I was the um, AA, administrative assistant in an engineering firm. And I fortunately had some bookkeeping skills that I picked up before I left California when I was running a private Air Force base. I don't know how I got that by accident as well. And everything in my life has been by failing or by accident. And yet. My children were my motivation, and I'm sure you understand that. Everything, everything had to be done for my children. I had to take care, you know, I had to feed them. I had to provide them with lodging. I had to be able to move them around wherever, schools, and so on and so forth. So when I moved to the uh, engineering firm, I um, wanted to live in a certain town, I wanted to live in a specific town, and every person that came in, because there was a lot of business, because this engineering firm was involved in uh, uh, building a lot of home projects and commercial buildings and so on and so forth in the county, I would ask every person, do you know where I can find a house in X town, X town? Do you know? Every person that came in and finally... I never gave up. I asked this one person, I will never forget his name. And he said, he said, yeah, call Joe. So I called Joe, I filled out an application. And I got from a condo in a bad part of another town to a three bedroom, two and a half bathroom town with a backyard near schools. So you know, everything comes from persistence with me. I persist. I never give up. Now that I'm aware of what that means, I discovered my intuition later on. And once I have this combination of persistence and intuition, it nothing stopped me. And that's what I do now and help people to use their persistence and trust their intuition to move forward in their life. So it's a combo. I want people to be in charge of their life, to have the life that works best for them, to enjoy their success, to trust in themselves, to be persistent but take, be willing to take some mentorship guidance because I never had it and I think I would have loved having it. I had it in bits and pieces. And then I, got this other job I got after I left the engineer's office, I was like bored because I used to have books in my drawer because I was bored. And I went and found another job at an investment company. And it was a company that at that time purchased up all the coastal land in Northern California and the federal government was involved, and multimillionaires were involved, and I went in and presented myself as a CFO, and they hired me as a CFO, uh, even though I didn't have all the credentials, but they did pay me half of what they paid the guy before me, so that's That's the way it goes. (laughs) That stinks. (laughs) Yeah, that's nothing unusual, but I got the job and I was able to learn a lot about limited partnerships, um, learn a lot about taxes, and I also had to create an office. There were no people there. So I hired my friends. (laughs) That's what I would do. I, I hired my friends that I trusted, and I said, you sit here and do this. Can you do this? Yes. You sit here and do this. I think I only hired one person from the outside, but she had to fit in, and she did and I went along there for a couple of years and decided I was bored there too because there was no room for advancement because the owner of the company was bringing in his own relatives and girlfriends and wives. So it was politically based at the time and I decided to go into real estate and step my foot into the entrepreneur world and that's what I did. And once I started in real estate, it was a recession because of course it had to be a recession that 's when you would start that 's the only time you would start that 's uh, absolutely uh, otherwise, there would be no resistance for me to keep push be persistent against so um, I still had my old car, and in many places, since it was in a very high end location they wouldn 't hire me because of my car. <laughs> nice. I swear to God, they wouldn't hire me because of my car. And I said, fine. I went on to the next. And then I got some help where when I took my real estate license uh, test, this woman said, go talk to my husband. I said, who's your husband? You know, I queried her. It's like I didn't trust the process. I just sort of said why. And she said, he will love you because you're hungry. And I went to him, and he's you know, he, he was willing to hire me, but he had to deal with his area manager, and his area manager said she doesn't know anybody, she doesn't know how to do anything, and the husband said, "She will work. Believe me, she's hungry, she's got children, she'll make it work." Well, I did all of the bare bones things that one needs to do when starts in, when one starts in real estate, and I made my goal within the first 12 months because who was gonna say no? I mean, I did what I was told to do, and better, and beyond, and I made my goal. Well, as soon as I made my goal and started in another real estate company, all the other people who wouldn't hire me because of my car came after me to be managers of their company. And I just said no. I didn't. wasn't nasty, I didn't say it was because you didn't hire me before, but I was persistent in reaching my goals. Ultimately, a new company started in town. They wanted me to manage the area where I lived, which I knew quite well because I was raising my children by telephone. They lived about two miles away from my office. And these dudes said, you know, take over this town because we know you can do it because you've been here and you've been successful and we don't, it was a town that nobody touched. And I did. And I made a success of everyone who came in there, made a lot of money. The girls made a lot of money. The guys made a lot of money. And I got bored again. This is a theme with you now. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes, it is. But I was, I kept, I wanted, I, I look at the boredom and I say boredom, but I wanted to learn more. And the only way to learn more was to keep moving forward, which is in alignment with what IT and tech people have to do today. They learn what they learn, and then they have to move on because they need to learn more, or to share what they know with a larger company or a more detailed technology company or healthcare company, because healthcare is a big user of technology as well. And I went and worked for a general contractor. I was his real estate broker for four counties. I hired my own salespeople. And, you know, the rest is history, let's say that. Those were the real grounding rules. Those were the places I got screwed royally, lost a lot of money, made a lot of money, and learned more than I could have had in any college, any college, anywhere, or by any, you know. And I just, looking back, everything I learned was amazing. And I use those same skills today to put one foot in front of the other, to trust myself, to look at what I need to do, to, new, to look at what I need to eliminate from my life. You know, things as anger, it's got to be managed. Certain things have to be managed. You can't shout out anymore, can't kick people, can't make them do what they don't want to do. And this is what I bring to the table with with my prospects and with my clients. I'm stick-to-it I will stick by somebody. I am loyal to a fault. Um, I'm loyal and trust from the very beginning until something goes wrong and then I just forgive things and move on. I don't hold on to anything anymore. <laughs> Because I've learned you can't do that. But I
0: go ahead. Take me back. So take me back to growing up in New York. Can you go back to the beginning a little when bit? When I was born. Well, well, I mean, we're as far back as you want to go, but basically growing up, because at some point I know, I know, see, I have the insider view. I know that you had to take those three kids and get out of town. Like you said, you had a thousand dollars and you moved cross country, but I want to go and get all of the uh, backstory to what got you moving to San Francisco.
1: Okay. So Whatever you want. I was in school in high school. Mm -hmm. And I was part of every group. I was part of the bikers, part of the uh, football team crew, part of the uh, elite smart people because I was, for some reason, I was smart and put in the smart class. And I was part of every group but not beholden to one. And in the process, I – in fact, when I graduated from high school, I can't remember, what did they assign me? You know how they take, well, they used to take you out of class and take a picture of you. If you were a girl, they would take a picture of you with the guy, and if you were a guy, they would take a picture of you with the girl. And you didn't know what it was for, but it was for the yearbook. And mine was, I had the biggest line. Well, when I saw that in print, I thought, Well, I never, I don't know what they're talking about, but apparently I could sell a lot, I could sell that was my line, I could sell. And I apparently sold myself without even knowing it to people by being myself, even if I was frightened, even if I was taller than anybody except the guys. So in school, I went to school and had a minimal social life because I really, you know, I, that's what I had. And in the ensuing events, I met my future husband. Well, it was someone that my parents approved of. He was and is German from Germany. I do have a thing about Europeans, because my second husband was Spanish from Spain. Um, So my uh, first ex-husband was from Germany, and uh, we dated and I knew nothing. I just tell you, I knew nothing. I was a virgin when I got married and was in shock for a long time.
0: (laughs) You're not the first one to express that, which is a shame. Yes, but so be it. And we got married,
1: and I had three kids in three years, and I wasn't happy, but I didn't even know what happiness was. I mean, I cooked dinner, I cleaned, I painted the inside of the house, I grew flowers in the garden, I had parties when it was appropriate, you know, children's birthdays, Christmas, Easter, things like that, because that's what the rest of my family was doing. But I was in a place one day, and I, I was listening to Peggy Lee's song, Is That All There Is? And it was... I. I may have heard the song before, but this time was I heard the words, and th- this if this was all there was, it wasn 't enough for me i didn 't know what more I needed, but I knew I needed more again that that I will call it the boredom thing set in, but it was more than that because you were dealing I was dealing with lives my children 's life, my life, my ex husband 's life etc and uh, for some reason some a friend close by said why don't you go audition for this theater show and it was a local theater and I said I can't do that uh, besides the fact that he wouldn't let me out of the house he wouldn't let me out of the house and my girlfriend said I'll talk to him because she was tough and she just says I'm taking Joanne we're going out and I auditioned for a play and I got the part and again, a whole new world, a world of expression. Even though I was expressing other people's language, I was free to talk because I wasn't talking for several years. And in that process of meeting again different people, I realized there was another part of my life that I hadn't touched. And my first ex husband was, uh, to say he was not conscious uh, is polite, but He wanted things his way and that's what he wanted. And things would have stayed the same if I hadn't told him I was leaving. And when I told him I was leaving, he threw me across the room against the refrigerator. And, you know, fine, that was it, you know. So I found a place to live because what I had done, trying to find money since I couldn't work because I was married with children and that wasn't done, not with him, uh, I would spend nights up in the bedroom dialing for dollars you know how people call you up on the phone okay I did that and the more people I reached the more money I made now it wasn't a lot I don't have any recall about how much money it was but it was enough to get me out of the house move my stuff into an apartment with the three kids just before Christmas nobody was happy with me again but it had to be done Because he was very rigid with the children, very frightening with the children. And
0: this wasn't a way to live. So I did that. Was that the only time that he, you said he threw you against the refrigerator. Was that the only time he was physical? The only time he was physical.
1: The rest of it was emotional. No, you can't. Yes, you, you know, I'm, you can't go out. You can only, the only time I could go out of the house was with my mother or if he took me grocery shopping or to a social or a family event. There were no social events. That was it. So, I was locked up pretty much. Very controlling. Oh, beyond I, I yeah, yeah. And it's it's difficult. They've, they 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 you they attract you or you attract them because of your strength. Yet once they get you, they want to change you. So that's not the first time that happened. But you know, each time it happened differently, and I learned more about me and about relationships. So, so you got out into the
0: apartment at Christmas time. Family, yeah, Your family?
1: Nobody was on my side. Got it. I was alone with my children. <laughs> and they were unhappy because they didn't know what was going on. And it was difficult to explain to young children what was going on. I just said, you will be safer here. And we're just going to have an adventure. Because everything I do is an adventure, and that 's what we always did was we had an adventure and um, I, what I did for that Christmas week of that year i didn 't have a job is that I got a temp job uh, demonstrating watches at a Costco type business. Smaller than that, but a Costco type business. So I'm, dem- I mean, how do you demonstrate a watch? For no <laughs> sakes? So I'm demonstrating a watch and these two dudes walked by, they were older and you could tell they were players and uh, you know, they, what are you doing girl? You know, I says, well, this is the way it is. I'm divor- I'm getting a divorce. I have three children. to t- I just told them the truth and they said, you deserve a better job than this. I said, you're right. So one of them said, come out to the airport tomorrow and I will give you a job. So I went out to the small airport and the manager's wife was there. And of course, she didn't want me there. I was a young woman who was, she was an older, not that old, but you know how those things go. And he offered me more money than my unemployment checks would have been. And I took the job. I didn't know how to do any of what he wanted me to do, but he wanted me to be there because of my personality. And uh, that was where I learned bookkeeping because the owner of the airport was a very uh, uh, well-known politically connected Texan who recently passed away this year, two years ago, passed away. And he sent a manager to the airport and the manager taught me bookkeeping. I'd like right there because he was he was his accountant because the numbers were off because the books were off so he told taught me bookkeeping and then it got to the point where time moves on fast forward and it snowed too much there and I wanted to take my kids out of that state I had to escape where I was my parents had kidnapped my children
0: Why and when did that happen?
1: That happened um, while I was working at the airport. My mother went and picked them up from school and she took them from me. And then she contacted my ex-husband, their father, because I wanted to leave New York. And my mother said, you're not leaving. If you're leaving, I'm taking the children. And I said, what the fuck? And I probably didn't say that because I didn't curse at that age. And but what I, you know, I they're my children, you can't do that. <laughs> and then I called her brother, uh, since she was the second eldest, it was her, one of her younger brothers who was strong in the family. And he said, She's not going to hurt them. I said, It doesn't matter, they're mine, <laughs> not hers. I want them, my kids back. And she had my children in the back seat of the car. Telling my ex-husband what she was going to do. Now, my children had to listen to this, that they were going to be kidnapped by her and taken away from me. God only knows what it did to them a lot. I know that because I've had some conversations with them about it. So that's what she did. And I got my kids back. And were you already divorced? i The divorce became final... Probably after I moved.
0: Okay. Because when he divorced, yeah, but mom takes them. How did you get them back? I made my uncle make her bring them back. Okay. And she did.
1: She did. Well, I told him I was going to call the police. Okay. And knowing me, they believed me because any of the other nieces and nephews, they would have been able to kowtow over, but they couldn't do that with me because they didn't know what I was, you know? They didn't know whether I was human or alien. So, (laughs) uh, they, they, I got my kids back. And the divorce wasn't final until I moved to California. Now, in the meantime, during my marriage, uh, we owned two pieces of property. Okay. The, the dwelling we lived in and then money I had saved from my unemployment after I quit from my first child. And I saved up all those tiny checks and I went out, we went out and bought a fourplex And, you know, a rental. I was young, but this was what I knew I needed to do, which is one of the reasons I went into real estate later. And I, you know, if I have any money, it goes into real estate. And what he did after I left to go to California was he stopped working. So all the payments on both houses went into default. So all of my time, energy, and resources were lost. Not the first time. And everything was gone I had less than nothing because I thought I could at least rely on him for well I didn't even think let's put it that way if I had thought if I had a decent lawyer you know all of the stuff that goes on obviously today I would know better so I lost real estate as well but I figured I had my kids
0: Right. And you saved $1,000 while you were in that apartment. By selling everything that I had. So now this is is the exciting part. Tell me about this.
1: Well, everything I had, the furniture that I had uh, taken from my original home with the children, and then whatever products I needed to to purchase um, cheaply, I had those things. And in order to move to California, I needed that money. I needed airfare, and I needed uh, to pay for a a condo or apartment in California, and I needed um, cash to live on. So I sold everything possible to everything possible I, I the last thing i sold before i left new york was a rug that i had rolled up somebody picked up the rug i was getting onto the plane when i got a phone call from somebody that said we finally sold the car so that was my bigger take you know and that was my car and i won't even tell you the story about my mother in the car she wanted to buy me because Oh, no, I'll tell it. Because people need to know that they have to trust themselves. Uh, during Before she kidnapped my kids, um, my parents said, okay, we're going... It's Soon after I left him with the children, and my mother knew I did not have a car. I had no vehicle. And she says, we'll buy you a car, but we're going to hold the pink slip. So okay, what am I going to say? No, I should have said no, but I didn't. So, and then she says, your aunt's going to help you pick out the car. So my aunt, who shall be nameless, went, because she's still alive, and she's a nice person, and it's not her fault that she got hooked into this, helped me pick out the car. So I picked out the car, fine, whatever it was, I don't even remember. And then, um, My parents say, well, why don't you come to Florida and live with us, and we'll have two houses next door to each other, and we'll pay for you to come live here. I said no, because what was that? Frying pan, fire, hello? And, uh, again, I was just starting to make some good decisions. No was the good answer there. Except what happened within the next few months is my mother said, oh, you can have the book payments because we're not paying for the car anymore. So I had no money to pay for that car. That was not a car I would have purchased with my own money. So it was in the middle of winter, And in the middle of upstate New York, I don't, it's probably like winter in New Hampshire. You know, bad. It's like Siberia up there.
0: Yeah, it's not good. New England winters are no fun. Nope. And
1: I think we were on the same, you know, latitude, longitude, similar, uh, you and I at that time, if you were living there. Anyway, so I had to sell the car at a loss back to the dealer and buy myself a junker. And the junker is what got me into California with the money. So it it was just, it was none of it was easy. None of it was easy. So anybody out there who says it's too hard, and there are a lot of them who say that because they've never been through anything, uh, don't tell me it's hard. It can be hard, but you can still do it, whatever you want to do. If you want a different job, if you want a better job, if you want a different career, if you want something, I will show you how to get it. I will show you how to source the courage that you have inside because I know it's in there. It's in your heart. And I know we can do it if you want to play the game and if you will
0: take responsibility for your actions. Which you did. That was kind of your personality through all of this because you were getting on a plane with three kids without having the money from the car. Right. You know, any of that. But I think also when your fear of where you're at is bigger than the unknown, you're willing to make that move. Right. Would you agree? Absolutely. And your fear of staying there was definitely greater. So you up and left. So what did the, how are the kids through all this and did they ever see their dad? Uh, they saw their dad a couple of times the first year or two,
1: but he didn't want to come out to California to see them. And he didn't want to pay for them to come to New York to see him. Okay. So So the the sons, one of my sons, uh, started communicating with him. So they have a, uh, relationship of sorts, not, you know, maybe 5%. And they got, you know, they all three kids receive things in and out from time to time, birthday cards, you know, but that's the extent of the relationship, minor communication via the birthday cards, whatever you can fit into a birthday card, plus a picture or two of what's going on. That's pretty much it.
0: Okay. How do they feel about the whole trip to California? Because you are like I am, where everything's an adventure. So, did that become an adventure for everyone? Were oh yeah, nobody, bored? no, nobody left. In fact, when I moved up
1: to Seattle from California in 2006, my daughter decided to come with me because she was ready for an adventure, and my sons wouldn't leave. They won't leave California
0: on a bet. You would have to pay them a lot of money. <laughs> so they it won't. was that move was good for them, and they were happy. About oh, it. absolutely. They were pretty little. Okay. So you get to San Francisco, you don't know anyone, you don't have a job, nothing. No. You land and tell me what Because <laughs> for other people, this is like pre-cell phone, there's no internet. There's nothing. There, there's nothing like that. I was able to finagle a ride
1: to my uh, condo with someone that I met, and they took me to the condo. They had provided me as a gesture because they lived – near where I was living as a gesture they provided me with cots for the children and that was it you know I paid the rent the first month's rent on the condo so we had hot water we had electricity we had sewage we had toilet paper and which what that does for me is tell me I mean I could live anywhere with very little if I needed to You know, I I make a home anywhere and I still do that. It doesn't, you know, it's not like a movie star would say, oh, I can't handle this. You know, no, 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 no." you know, it's, I I, I could make it work anywhere because what other choice is there?
0: Well, there's, I mean, realistically, there's not, but like you said earlier, people, whine about things or don't feel like they, they, they can't get out of where they're at because the fear of the unknown is scarier than where they're sitting. So people do make lots of excuses and reasons. You just did not. No,
1: because nobody was going to listen. And who would I tell
0: them to? (laughs) I mean, but but you got there and you did it. Yes, I did. That first one's rent. And then you're walking around. So the only, you'd had a couple jobs. I mean, the watch job, and then you'd had a a couple things. But another thing that I know that isn't true always of younger generations is you took the training and that opportunities anywhere they presented themselves.
1: Anywhere they came up, I took the opportunity. And every job I had, I just reached higher and higher in the scale. And I learned. If I can't learn I'll go to bed and pull the covers over my head. If I can't talk or write, what's the point? If I can't teach, what's the point? So every job I took, I learned more and more and more. And I would meet, you know, I didn't need crowds, but along the way there was always one person each time who would reach out their hand and pull me up. And that's what I do with people today. And I have been doing it for 30
0: years so you did all of your job, the different jobs in real estate. When did that end? How long did you do real estate? You still invest? Oh, I sold the real
1: estate. I, I sold real estate. Then I opened that company for this new, co- I had this branch office for this new company and I was managing and they were doing quite well and, but I just looked at my life and I know that it would have been like that forever. And what would I learn? And in between those first few months when I was managing this office and managing the people and teaching them and having some fun with them because I wanted them to know that they could work hard and have fun, um, I met a builder. And that's the builder I told you about. He he said, I want you to sell my houses. I said, well, I'll create a business that will sell your houses and I will have other people sell your houses, but I won't just be your salesperson. So I had to meet his father who was dying because he was a big, he owned the company and he and his brother actually owned the company, but he never shared me with his brother until after the fact. He hired me, uh, made me an officer of his corporation. So I reframed his company with new uh, providers uh, worked somewhat with his own people who built the houses uh, in fact, at that time got my son a job uh, building houses because my kids started working very young, and I worked with them for a long time until and this is this was a place where trust was not rewarded. Um, I had the building, I had the company, I had designed a building for his office, which is still in existence. And he said, Let's meet at the lawyer's office. What what I had, uh, so backtrack a bit to set this up. When I started selling houses for him, and he didn't have much cash, and he didn't give me much cash for my salespeople that I hired. I had three salespeople that were in different counties. I had a specific amount of money and I said, okay, I will give the majority of the money to the salespeople because they need to eat and they came from resales, So they were not going to lose. I didn't want them to lose anything. And I took a very small stipend from each of the sales because I had a contract with him that after a certain point, I would be receiving full commission on all the sales. And full, I don't remember the percentage, but let's say that at that time it was several hundred thousand dollars, worth several hundred thousand dollars. So we had a contract created by and and signed by both of us that was put together by an attorney that I hooked him up with because his attorney was stealing money from his father. It's always a drama, right? Yes. So then he said, let's meet with Pete, not his name. He's still alive, but- God will take care of him, and uh, we went over, and I'm sitting there because I don't know what's going on, and then the attorney goes, well, Joe, not his real name, wants to redo the contract and reduce your percentage of commission, and I, I was in shock because, number one, he didn't have the balls to talk to me directly first and tell me why. You know, talk to me, reason with me, you know, have a conversation. And so I, um, I don't think I said a word. I think I was so stunned that I just got up and walked out. Just got up and walked out. Did not know what to do. I had, again, uh, I had a boyfriend at the time who was in the, in the business. He was uh, an elect- He owned his own electrical company. He was an electrician and he wasn't any help so what i did was i went and rented out my own office down the block from his building that i designed for him and i continued working as if nothing had happened i just started working opened my own named the company the omega group because it the word meant something to me and omega means that's the last person you go to this is me When all else fails, call Joanne, ask Joanne Victoria. And he didn't know what was going on. He kept calling me. I said, what do you want? He says, well, are you still selling houses for me? I said, absolutely. He says, but I don't want to give you, I said, you decide what you want to do and then I'll deal with you. Well, he decided and he was just going to ignore the contract. He ripped it up thinking that was legal. I had no resources again my very very close circle I had nobody to talk to now maybe that was a good thing because it got me with my into my own real estate company that I kept for about two years and then I gave that up I didn't want to do that anymore and that's when I went into the self-help field and started doing workshops and seminars and when was that what that year? was a day I was sitting there alone in my office of my new real estate company. I don't know, one, two years. And I got a call from a friend who I'm still a friend with. And uh, as another sidebar, I was living in a community that everybody had, everybody either was putting on workshops and seminars or attending workshops and seminars. And it was the alternative health field of the universe at that time. So I was familiar with all of that. So this friend called up and said, I'd like you to do a workshop. And I said, where do I send the check? He said, no, I want you to work with me in front of the room. I said, okay. (laughs) I said, yes, because I do that. And the first workshop I ever facilitated with my dear friend, who was still a dear friend, uh, was called the anger workshop. I thought that was appropriate. (laughs) Were you pretty pissed by then? (laughs) Yep i was pissed by and then when
0: was this how long oh. ago oh god it's about 30 years okay and you were still in san francisco i was still
1: in the bay area north of san francisco that you moved into right. when i moved here to seattle okay
0: so you're in san francisco he asked you to do it did you do like a combo a joint we both we just shared this shared the floor We invited
1: people to come and we had a place to do it. It was a place that he had used before. I have no idea how much we charged people, even if we charged people, but I'm sure we charged something. There were several people in the audience, but I don't remember how many. Uh, Most of the time was spent creating the content between he and I, so we would have the content and I may even still have that content somewhere in one of my many boxes.
0: That's fantastic. And it wasn't recorded.
1: We were recording things, and then um, his then wife, since passed, did ultimately did not like me working with her husband. And for various, and I don't, I still don't know why she had her reasons, and I wasn't going to fight that. And in the meantime, I. Time marches on. But I sold my house where it was. I moved to Sausalito to a house I had purchased because I was in the purchasing mood when I was making real estate money to buy real estate. And uh, we discussed that and we just went our separate ways. We tried working together in Sausalito. That didn't work out because she was not happy. So again, I don't know why. Doesn't matter. It's done. As I say, she's passed on and everybody's got their version, I'm sure. But so then, I just went out on my own.
0: When did you get married the second time?
1: Uh, in the middle of all of this, let's see. Oh, by this time, after I had started my workshops, I was divorced from the second one.
0: Okay, so we we skipped that whole.
1: That's okay. <laughs> so, well, he's still very much alive and well, and one, someday might listen to this. And I don't know. I think he's fine. But I had spoken to some psychic at the time and they said you could have been on a desert island with nobody else around and you would have met him and you had to meet him to learn things. Again, this is what I do. You know, it's not just going to school, formal education, it's learning from relationships that I've had. So in the in the middle of all of this, uh, when I had bought my second house in California, because we went from the apartment to the rental so the kids could go to school, to uh, a small house that I bought that is now apparently remodeled into a bigger house. That's the way things are, especially in California. And then I left that house to go to a much bigger house when I was going to live with somebody else, the electrical contractor. So, I mean, everybody's going to listen to this and know my entire life story.
0: <laughs> yes, that's the plan. Okay. So you moved to Sausalito. The kids have got to be gone. Out of house, yeah, they're Quite all gone. out of the I'm house. Sure. Yeah, I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Um, I think one of my sons was still living with me. Okay, but they're pretty much they're adults now. Yeah. Uh, the second marriage, they were that was all good with them. No, wasn't. They didn't like it the whole time. Oh, no. Okay. Well, that's a bummer. You never yeah. never that to happen. Okay. And then that's over with. So you're yeah. in Sausalito, and what happened with you when you got a taste, even though it was working with someone else, of being in that front of the room and coaching? Because that's been your passion. You, it's the only thing, you stuck with that one in yes. one form or another for 30 yes. years now. Yes, I loved it. I can tell you
1: what I was wearing. Uh, I, 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 you know, I was a little formal because I was reading partially from the content Because I don't do that anymore, but you know, you got to start somewhere and that's where I started was standing in front of the room wearing my white two-piece Paul Stanley suit with slit up the skirt and looking rather well and uh, I usually maintain wanting to look good because I think that if you look good, you'll get paid better easier easier You'll get paid easier because they know you care and you respect the people you're speaking with So I loved being in front of the room. I loved being a part of other people's lives. I loved seeing the changes that came over them. I loved all of that. And I said, I can do this. So I proceeded to do this. Again, along the way, I would meet meet other people who would say, try it this way. Or why don't you try this workshop and go here and do this and do that. And I did lots of things. I presented at lots of women's conferences in San Francisco and Oakland. Uh, aside from the small towns, I was, these were national events, and I would do my presentations there. I would be either a part of a panel or on my own. And I created retreats that I took into Sonoma County where we would, you know, have men and women, and I would work with them on using different pro- processes. Start, Let's say it started at kindergarten, it ended at marriage. So I took them through all of these processes to teach them how to be in the moment with with what they were dealing with. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but that's what the ultimate outcome was.
0: But you're like a sponge still, and you like the change, and you like to continue learning. So having different experience would feed that. It feeds the beast. Absolutely. Yes. you started learning with, at the airport and with QuickBooks very, like, logical or technical or… More, I didn't hear that because you… Sorry. You started with QuickBooks and technical type information. So, in my mind, you're, the jobs you were doing were more analytical… But you come at your coaching from a very emotional place.
1: Because on my continued, you know, step-by-step journey, I'm in California and I meet this woman. I don't know how I met this woman. I still know this woman. And I'm coming from what we will call the analytical left side of my brain. And I meet this woman and, you know, I I was stuck. There was like a, I was in another quandary. Something's got to change. Something must shift. And she said, I think you should meet my friend and attend her workshop in uh, St. Helena. And I said, okay, where do I sign up? Because I trusted where it was coming from. And I went and sat in back of the room got my own room at the hotel it was a you know big do and i sat in back of the room and when i realized that i was working out of the wrong side of my brain before i started presenting workshops i was like a jumping bean in my chair because i had been doing you know all the bookkeeping and you know the analyses of things and you know working in the with the tax returns and the limited partnerships and all of that, none of it, which I have forgotten. I mean, I can do pretty much anything now. Um, And when I was taking all of the practice sessions within the workshop, I realized I was a creative, frontal right brain person working in the wrong, that was the way I was born. That was my lead, L-E-A-D, when I was born, but I never acknowledged it. Nobody else ever acknowledged it. They just thought I was crazy and wacky because and I was creative and intuitive. What? You didn't know the difference. No, and nobody else in my circle of family
0: knew it either. But it Also, me- you did what was presented to you. Absolutely. Which a lot of us do. You, you go with it because that's what you're presented and you need to do something so there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but you nope. must have been like a kid in a candy store when you finally got the creative side of your brain going. Oh my god! I started writing, and I, I started writing articles for the local
1: newspaper because I didn't know I thought I could, and somebody I swear to God these things just come out of the blue. <laughs> Somebody called me from the local newspaper and said, we've heard about you, dot, 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 and I wonder if you'd be willing to write an article for our news, a business article, or an article for the business section of our newspaper. I said, sure, when do you want it? Three days. Holy Toledo. Well, I wrote the article. The article is still in publication. It's an evergreen article, as are all of my posts, and because they need to be. They need to be current all the time. And I did that for a while. But I was like a kid in a candy store. It was amazing to me. And also, to find out that if you work in the wrong side of your brain, it takes a hundred times, a hundred times more energy to do that. Not just ten times, but a hundred times. So this became easier to be creative. Yeah, that's was, what
0: I, I mean, I, I see, I feel your pain. <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from. I've, I've had. Not that same journey as you at all, but the similarity where you find something you're like, oh, and people think, oh, you found your niche or you're good at it. Or like, no, you're, you're not working a hundred times h- harder to get things done. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, it's, well, people are like work smarter or not harder. Well, you, sometimes you don't know how to do that or where you fit in. I know. So let's talk about, I know that you've been published seven times, correct? Yeah. You're published author seven times. You still you still write, and your blog on your website is. I mean, my gut my gut reaction is it's all over the place, but I mean that as a compliment. Like there isn't one. You're not you do not stay in your lane and have one thing that you write about and talk about. No, is a very passionate amalgam. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Um, you have a podcast. Tell me about
1: the podcast. Well, um, a couple of years ago, or more than that, maybe three years ago, because I started the podcast in, actually, 2017. I lose track. 2017, 2018. 2018. Um, either Either one of those years. And I was looking for another way to market that would fit into my personality. And... You know, the writing is one thing, and I started that last year where I started writing daily emails to my email list. What I do is I reframe my emails to my email list and make them blog posts. And then I share them on my social media and other places. And they are also shared with about eight other very large websites because this man who runs them, we spoke and he said... Every time I read something that you write, it's brief, it's to the point, and it's exceptional. It hits the person, and I and he says, "I'd like to publish your stuff." Muzzle dog, go for it. So, uh, in the meantime, I decide to you do uh, create a podcast for my audience, for my audience of texts and non texts and all of that, and. Came up with the name with a little bit of help from some Facebook groups, but it's really called the Sanity Project Podcast, and it's about helping people maintain their sanity or find it again, because if you're in charge of your life, you have a little more sanity than if you're not in charge, and I was always running, see, (laughs) and I was always running around quite insane, not knowing anything, but, you know, just focused at the moment, but not Uh, aware of the big picture and still not that much so I started out and uh, it was suggested i read everything I need again this gave me a reason to learn more so I followed uh, the teachings of certain people on the internet who gave away free information about how to start your podcast which I took advantage of and then um and this was before it became as popular as it is. To, it it It's really exponentially grown, the, the podcast arena. And I created those 10 first podcasts so I would have enough to put on iTunes to be acceptable, to be accepted. God forbid Joanne should be accepted somewhere. And I started writing... They were different. They've they've changed slightly, but each one of them is geared toward an individual issue that people face every day. Uh, the one of my podcast, uh, so each of those podcasts are. I found guests. Guests showed up. I asked somebody in Sacramento, "Do you have any people?" She she requested them on her group. People showed up. Uh, not everybody was perfect, but I didn't care because neither was I. <clears throat> and I, you know, I did what I did, and I followed the yellow brick road. And then uh, along the way, I changed my intro and outro and the music, and upgraded my desire for specific guests. You know, I'd like if they had a book because we would have something to talk about. But really, I wanted more that was in the mindfulness, spiritual consciousness arena. And uh, I also got people, a lot of good people on management and team building. So I was looking at my 360 degree circle of an employee in the tech business. and, And what information would they need? They would certainly need information on team building on toxic workplace, on self-care, on health, on trust, on um, patience, all the things I write about. So each day, I mean, the one I just published today was about Tom Cruise.
0: Yes, I saw, I saw that title because that trailer just came out for that movie next year. That's
1: right. And I saw him on um, Conan O'Brien the other day. And regardless of what he does with his personal life, he is a fine, fine producer of films. And he is, you know, 56 years old, and he's still out there learning the, the, the eternal student. And that's why I thought, you know, this is what I'm going to write about. Because what I, I don't know if you read the entire thing, but it said, you know, it, I told the first paragraph or two was about what he did why he did what he did, some of his uh, escapades and his own adventures, and you know, have I and the risks he has taken? And then I talked about myself: have I taken enough risks in my life? Are there more risks that I can take? And then I pointed it out to the audience: what about you? Do you need to take a risk in your life? And then I close with: if you want to, there's more content. But if then I close with: if you want to discuss how to take a risk, call me, ask me. Email me something. And so if it comes into me and I feel as though it's, it's the right thing to write about because my guides say, yes, do that. I'm taking more risks in my writing as I move forward. And I'm taking more risks in my, my podcast as I move forward. I mean, I have the person I talk to about management is, is a minister. He's a world-renowned 40 years in the field minister and he talks on my eyes i've had him on two podcasts so far because he is that good that clear well his his ministry and his talk about um management is based on the bible i don't care people need to hear other things than they hear every day they need to learn if i learned from learning others can learn too and he's got great great stories so I love having him on as a guest. I have guests on more than once because I enjoy them and because they have a good story to tell and they have good
0: information. And you've taken all of this, everything you've done in the past and the things that you're still doing, the podcast and the blog, and you your coaching business helps people to reduce stress, figure out their life vision, become more self-confident, take risks, play, have fun. So really, I mean, your audience is anyone who's ready to actually make that. Yes. Make that change. So I thank you so much. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Did I surprise you? Yes. (laughs) I mean, you take your insight and strategy, your type A learning, and then your creative brain And you help people create a different life than what they have. Yes. Yeah. It's doable. And I think that if it comes
1: from someone who is not 2 or 12, uh, it has more value because of the length of time I've been on this earth. If it comes from someone who is not saying I'm going to teach you how to make a seven figure income in 60 days, if it comes, you know, it, th- those are all fallacies. Those are all cult type things. And it's just not where I come from. I'm not looking for fame. Uh Fortune, yes, because I like money. I want to buy real estate. And, <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, That's not why I do this. I do this because I have no other choice. I have no other choice to speak. If I didn't speak, I wouldn't be here on this earth. And I have no desire to retire. I have been guaranteed a lot more time on this planet and I'm taking advantage of it. Although I did miss about 20 years of my life that I'd like back Uh, (laughs) in some of that crap. Um, But I'm a teacher. And I can show the person who wants to do it how to do it. Uh, I, you know, That's why this coach slash consultant issue is always a challenge for me because I hate labels. And coaches are only supposed to get people as far as they, own. they can go on their own. But I think there's always a little push that they need. And I give them the push that I never had.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story. I appreciate you so much.
1: Well, thank you because you you, you you made me talk about lots
0: and lots of things that I never thought I would talk about. Perfect. That's how I like my podcast to go. Thank you for taking the time to get naked with us. If you'd like to bear it all with me, get in touch. Your story is unique and valuable. Let's show it off.